everybody. Welcome to another episode of Courtside Revealing from Tennis, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Today is discussion time. Um, recently, Steve and I have had um, some outstanding guests. We hope you've enjoyed listening to all those conversations. We're having a blast, um, not only Steve and myself, but we're, we're having a blast with the guests as well. Today, is, we're going to do um, something different. It's a topic that I've talked about for, for years um, I, I definitely have my thoughts on it. Steve knows um, my thoughts. I've shared some of my thoughts with Steve. What's different in this one is I don't know Steve's thoughts on this. And we did this purpose um, on purpose. Generally, when Steve and I have a discussion um, between ourselves or with a guest, we have a general construct of where the discussion is leading. This discussion among Steve and I will be a little bit more free flowing. So um, we'll see where it goes. And the main topic today is um, the fall season uh, and specifically the tournaments after the final slam of the year. Um, we'll take it from more of a broad contract and then we'll narrow it down specifically um, into whether or not these Masters 1000s are, are really um, the right place um, in, the, in the ATP Tour calendar schedule. So with that, Steve, um, good morning. Welcome, and I'm looking forward to talking about this with you. The same here, David. This is this should be a compelling topic. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to it as well. So let's get started. You know, a few years ago, um, I, I was I was of the thought of, you know what, let's shut it down after the U.S. Open. Let's just shut it down. You still have the year end. We'll still do that, but it, we really don't have a, a, a pretty good off season. We have a very, very short off season. Um, a lot of other sports have a lengthy off season. Um, I thought it would be good um, just to kind of shut it down, give everyone um, time to take a deep breath. I've changed my thoughts on that because I think the tour could package itself a little bit better. So I'm not as extreme of let's just shut it down at the end of the U S open. Um, I do feel there's a place for tournaments. Um, before we hit Masters 1000, what, what's your general view on, on the tournaments after the final slam of the year? Well, I know, David, I, I, I have friends who are writers, some players, just fans, all, all types of tennis people that, that have felt somewhat like you may be used to in the sense of when the Open ends, the se- that's pretty much not only the end of the Grand Slam tournament season, but it's the end of the season. But I, d- I don't feel that way because having experienced so many great autumns in my life, uh, I, I, I think I like that, that stretch from post-Open into November where we then get the year-end championships and finally the Davis Cup finals can sometimes they used to carry into December. I, I feel that we do need a longer off season. Yes. The women are done a better job with that than the men, but I think, I think we do need those 1000 spread out. Uh, and I think we need that, that I think the players chasing points, David is a great thing. As we talk, we're w- watching it right now because we're doing this. We're talking right now, just before the start of the Paris masters, 1000, which gets back to your central point. And I think that it's, it's great that the players still have so much incentive to qualify for the year-end tournament, which will be in Italy this year rather than London, and, and have that. It keeps them going. It keeps them powered. It keeps them incentivized. So I do like it, and I feel like you kind of need that one big Masters 1000, which is coming up in Paris. And, and we've had two before, but the, the Shanghai has been canceled. And 
calendar is slightly different right now, but I feel like you've got to have one or two post open leading up to the year end. Tell me your qualms about the 1000. I'm interested to hear your, your case. Okay, a couple of things. Um, I guess we'll just we'll hammer in the, the, the Masters 1000 because you and I are kind of in agreement that we still need other tournaments. Um, uh, I'm, I'm good with that. I, I think the qualms of the Masters 1000s after the last slam, it, there's a couple things. I think the field um, in the fall is often depleted. It's not a Masters 1000 typical field. That's one. Um, two, as far as the chasing points with you, I agree with you if there's a guy at 10 or 11 who's really trying to get to that year-end finals. I, I, I like that. But because these fields can be depleted, you can get some crazy results, and you see it every fall. And, and I'll give you a drastic one, and, and you know this, but in 2017, Jack Sock was like 25 um, going into Paris. He won that field beating nobody. Um, when I say nobody, I mean no one in, within the top – 10 or 15. Um, I think Lucas Puy was like 17 or something. That was the highest guy he, he faced. Um, and you have, a, you, he went from like 25 to nine and he got in because I think there was an injury. Um, the next year catching off one Paris. Um, I, I think. Yeah, he beat, he beat Djokovic. Of course that was Djokovic coming off a long match with better in the semifinals that year. And then, so he, I don't think he would have lost to catching off in that final. Uh, I see it's a good point you're making there. I don't like to see a Jack Sock situation like that where you don't really go through the best. I feel that that happens kind of infrequently, though. And let's take what's going on right now. All the top guys are going to be in Paris preparing for London. Djokovic making his first appearance since the U.S. Open. And Medvedev coming back. And Medvedev still with a chance. Doesn't look like a great chance, but 1,900 points behind Djokovic as we, as we talk to try to overtake him for the year end number one. So I, I, I feel like what you're saying is, is, is very legitimate, but that it, it's infrequent. Do you think if Djokovic or, or Medvedev lose in the quarterfinals or even in the round of 16, they care? Well, yes, I do. Actually, I do. Because especially now, I mean, Djokovic wants to set that record, David, as seven years and number one. He can't break Pete Sampras's six years in a row. But he can get the most total years, which is a big achievement. To me, it's a bigger achievement than the number of weeks at number one, whether he ends up with 360 weeks or 370 or whatever his total ends up being at the end of his career. I believe the years, the year ends are what really matter. You were the best player for that entire year, that whole campaign. So, yes, actually, I do, because I think, yes, they know they'll have another chance in, in, in uh, Italy at the year end for sure. But I think they want to, in Djokovic's case, I think he'd like to maybe try to wrap up number one in Paris and take pressure off the UN championships. And in Medvedev's case, he's trying to defend the title. So I, I do believe that. Uh, but you, I, you, you don't seem to agree. I think the mass, I think those guys would care a lot more about the results. Um, and we're not talking Indian Wells this year because Indian Wells is usually in, in the spring. And, and that was a fantastic tournament. But sure. again, on the men's side, you get crazy results again. But we're not going to talk about that because that was just a one-off. But um, 
I think those top guys, I think they're, they're so they could be so depleted by the end of the year. And I'm talking general. I'm not talking specifically this year, but um, these top guys have played so much tennis. They can be so depleted in there. And it's almost to me like just kind of going through the motions. There are requirements to play these masters. Now, again, if you're Djokovic, you're, I think there's a certain age requirement, number of years you've played them. You could, there is a carve out, a very minor carve out, but for the most part, you're required to play them. I don't think they have the same uh, want to at this point of the year for a Masters 1000 after the final slam as they would a Miami or an Indian Wells or, you know, um, uh, Rome. Well, I, I see what you're saying, although I, I it's funny. I mean, look at Djokovic. I take Djokovic as an example. He came back after after winning the Australian, took a long break. And who did he lose to on the clay? Uh, in his first Masters 1000 of the season, Dan Evans. Now, I, I don't think, frankly, I don't think he did care that there, there, because in other words, it's timing. So in that case, did it destroy Novak's morale? No, because he's thinking, I, I need, I'll get better. I'm going to play as much as I need to before Paris, and I'm going to win the French. Yes. So that's my goal. So in, the, in that case, I'm not sure that one. And that was the first Masters 1000 of the year. So I, I think it's somewhat timing. I think there's always the danger that, that they could at any point in the year feel in any given 1,000 that they can forgive themselves a loss. But they also are top-of-the-line professionals, David. And I think for the most part, they fight hard for every tournament they play, partic- uh, particularly this, the Grand Slams events, obviously, at first and foremost. And then the 1,000s come next. So many points available. So to your point, Everyone's focused on the Grand Slams. Those Masters 1000s, the eight Masters 1000s before, they're all basically in preparation to peak for the next slam, right? You have these two, and what are you peaking for? I mean, the season's basically over. You have the year end. There is the race of the ninth or 10th, 11th guy, but I just don't feel it's the same meaning as the previous eight do. I, again, I think it will, because this number one ranking is up for good, depends. I mean, a lot of years, especially. I mean, yeah, I think of some great years in the, the 90s and Pete Sampras closing out seasons and needing the year end to make sure he was number one. And, and Djokovic and Murray playing the, in London in the last match of the year in the year end championship. The year end, I'm good. I, I'm good with the year end. It's the Masters 1000. No, okay, I, I get you. I get you. But I believe that those Masters 1000s, that they have the meaning because of what they're leading toward. And in this case, it's leading toward that year end. No, the year end, it's true that the year end is not the U.S. Open or any of the, of the slams. Absolutely right. But it still has a, a real pertinence. So, and I want I, that tournament. I, I like that tournament. I, I want that in. Um, listen, I, I, I stand by my case. However, I think you're, you're making a very good case on your side. You're, these are all valid points you're making. But I believe it depends on the player and his situation at the time. Djokovic, for instance, right now, I think he really wants to finish the year strong. It was a big uh, emotional letdown to lose in the U.S. Open final, but now he's taken his good long break and he's back and he wants to prove that he deserves that year-end number one. And Medvedev's case, defending that, that it, it's not easy to defend a Masters 1000. I think he wants to prove he can do that. And then they both want to go to, uh, to the year-end and, and, and peak even more there. But I, I, got, I think we're going to see some pretty good tennis uh, in, in Paris 
th this time around. I think we're going to see certainly those two eager. And then you hear somebody like Sitsipas, David. Oddly enough, when he got to number three, he had his, his photo taken. It was a big deal to him earlier in the year when he reached number three. And then he's spoken since about how he really wants to end the year number three. Well, that's in danger now. Zarev is right on his heels. So he will be really up for it to try to end his recent slump. So I, I think there are a lot of guys with something to prove this time. And that was not the case four years ago when you mentioned the Jack Sock case. So there are some, there are certain times and certain years where guys might come there and feel that they, that a win is a bonus, but a loss is excusable. Um, I have two other um, ideas. I think this could, the fall season could be a wonderful opportunity to package the sport and provide more prize money and rankings for some lower rank guys. And then this is utopia, a utopia idea. People way smarter than me. Um, haven't figured it out yet because we have so many different entities in, in the tennis world. But I think this could be something where after the U.S. Open, you can freeze the rankings and pick your number. The number could be arbitrary, whether it's 15 or 20 or 30. And maybe you freeze that and let the guys outside of the top 20 or 30, whatever, compete for these events and you have prize money. And again, whether it it, it is still classified as a master's 1000, or you just make them 500s, but you have prize money now that can get distributed to some lower rank guys um, that maybe not um, has been able to be passed down through the course of the year. I think it's an amazing opportunity to do that. Yeah, it certainly would be an opportunity. I, I, and, and you, it, I, I, I think it would be complicated to try to figure out how you're going to freeze the rankings of the top guys. So it would take a lot of careful thought. And I, and I don't think you would put them as style. You say maybe 500s. I think more likely that's probably a fairer way to distribute points if you're going to pursue the scenario you're describing. But it would be interesting. I, I still wish, David, and you, I, I think you'll probably agree, I still wish we could have some more combined events toward the end of the year. I think we, we combine 1,000s, and certainly I think it would be great to have year-end championships together. You know, you said that before. And, I agree with you. And we saw in, again, Indian Wells is a one-off, but I mean, that was amazing. And it was just, it was just performed about a month ago. Um, the other thing is I think uh, maybe burnout and uh, whether it's from the fans, whether it's from the people who work the sport, whether it's from the players, I think you could, after the U S open, you could do some fun events like the labor cup. Maybe you have the women added to the labor cup. Like we've said, because that, I think, is a, a fresh perspective. It's not the usual grind. It's not the usual. It's just me, me, me. I got to compete, you know, every single day against the best players in the world. Like, have something that energizes the players. And you see that Labor Cup is shortly after the last slam. And you don't really feel fatigue from any of those players playing it. They're all fired up to go. But Labor Cup is a great showcase because it allows them to play shorter matches and 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 the, the super tie break to decide the third set. And it, it's ideal for them because they they fight hard. They feel the responsibility of not letting their teammates down, but they really have nothing to lose. It's it's ideal. And yet they they do feel the tension. You can sense they, they, they that responsibility definitely kicks in. You're right. I mean, the more of that type of flavor we can get in the sport, the better. Yeah, I, I mean, I we we did a I did a Twitter poll. I've done this a couple of times. I've done a Twitter poll because I'm trying to get uh, I'm trying to see where other people have fall uh, with this topic. And and you and I, this is the first time you and I have really um, gone into it. 
And it's close. The Twitter poll I did was really, really close. I think it was like one or two extra votes that said we should not have Masters 1000 events. Um, but it, but it, it, there's no landslide vote. I mean, it's interesting. Again, this is not coming from a tournament director's perspective. I'm just, obviously, if, I, if I'm a tournament director and I have a Masters 1000, I'm going to want it no matter where it is in the calendar. Um, it's more just from a fan, more just from a person, you know, uh, looking looking at the sport as a whole and seeing what we can do better. I think yeah, ideally- Yeah, a quick, a, quick, a quick point for you. I, I, and, I, and I think it's, you're taking a very thoughtful approach. My other concern about it is I don't want to see them bunch too close together. You know, you, you can't play those Masters 1000s too early in the year because of where the Australian Open is positioned. So right. then we wait for Monte Carlo and Madrid and Rome and you get a bunch on the clay there. And then we have some in the summer. And that's why I think they want some in the fall. I, would, I wouldn't want to see them all packed into spring and summer. I'm good with eight. I, I mean, again, the tournament directors in the well, fall are going to hate my thoughts, but. Oh, sorry. So you're you're saying just cut down and make make maybe seven or eight instead of nine. I, I'm great with the schedule until the until after the U.S. Open. I just don't. Yeah. I, I think it's just a very long season, especially for the top guys. They put so much into those matches, 1000s and Grand Slams leading up to the U.S. Open. I don't think I would get an argument from any of the top guys to say, let's shut it down. Maybe let's just do labor cup. Let's have some fun, different types of events to keep it fresh. Um, and again, I think it's a wonderful opportunity for the sport as a whole to package this, to um, give guys a little bit lower ranked an opportunity to do well in, in some tournaments after the last slam of the year. Yeah, it's a, it's an, it's an interesting case. And the, the guy that I think would probably be with you 121% is Nadal. Think of the number of times Rafa exhausted in the fall and he doesn't like the indoor tournaments as much. He's never been as happy indoors. And we've seldom seen the best of Nadal post US Open. Uh, uh, so there's no doubt some players, many players would agree. On the other hand, then you have the Federers and Djokovic's who have traditionally enjoyed that part of the year and played some of their best tennis indoors and in, and including at the masters 1000 so it, it, it i'm not at all surprised by the results of your poll because it's 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 a complicated discussion there's a good case to be made either way i i still want to see it i still want to see it as it is but i i fully understand your point of view let me ask you this question steve um would would you or put your mind in in one of the players would you rather win one of the two fall Masters 1000s um, and not win a slam or win one slam and lose in the third round of both of those fall Masters? Listen, the slams are so important. I, 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 I would never, I, I would hate to be faced with that. It's a dilemma. It's a tough choice to have to make. You're never going to want to give up a Grand Slam tournament. Never. I would take a slam a, a million times and twice no on kidding. Sunday. But, but also we're talking, that's a different argument. We're talking more, I guess, about the distribution, the placement of these tournaments, when they should be held. And your, uh, your central point, of course, is that players, by the end of the Open, everybody's pretty exhausted. True, true. But I, I, I still like that home stretch. I still like the fact that's, and that the guys that ha still have the incentive and to see how, how, how is Djokovic going to perform after this long a time off and first tournament since the loss at the U.S. Open to Medvedev in the finals. Medvedev, disappointing form and apparently some niggling injuries when he played in Indian Wells. He's been a little bit deliberately vague about that, which I think is the right thing for him to do. How does he respond? 
to coming back to winning those two big prizes he got at the end of the last year, the last year with the Paris Masters 1000, followed by winning the year-end championship. So I, I still believe, and again, the, the, the players I mentioned, Sitsipas absolutely uh, determined to, to break out of his slump, and Zarev trying to keep going, and he's so hot right now and eager. So I, I think... I think we'll have to see how it'd be interesting to see how Paris plays out uh, as, as we speak to see how, see how all the leading players look and how eager they are to win that prize. Yeah. I, I want to make something clear and you, you hit on it. I have nothing against the, the Paris masters or the Shanghai master. This is all about timing. If Paris yeah. and Shanghai were, were, were in the spring and the two in the spring were in the fall, yeah. I'd be saying the same thing. I'd take the, the same position. It's all just about timing. It's not about the tournaments. It's not about the oh, specific well, tournaments at all. Oh no, that's totally clear. Now, but of course the problem with Paris, David, is that it can't be too close to the French Open that in, in a big city like Paris. No, I think I think ten may be too much. I think maybe we keep yeah. it at eight. I, I I don't know, but um, it's an interesting discussion. I don't think anything's going to be going to going to change. Um, you just see wacky results in the fall, pretty consistently, um, and I think you're going to continue to see wacky results because I think some of these guys are are just tapped out. Um, but. We'll, we'll see. I don't know. I'll, I'll leave it to you to, to add. I, it's really all I got on it. It's I wanted to, to hear your take on it because you and I um, surprisingly had never really gone deep into this discussion. And uh, it, it was interesting for me to hear your perspective. Yeah, I think it's an interesting time of the year. And and again, I think for some players that there, there, there is a certain complacency and a sense to want to kick back. And for others, there's a much higher drive. Uh, as we get to the end and therefore for them the the chance to fare well at a masters 1000 in paris this year and then follow up in the year-end championships is 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 uh is very important to them and they'll prove it for others maybe not so much so but i do believe looking at the real upper crust right now i see them all very uh enthused about going going uh, playing that last masters 1000 of the season leading up to the year end I, for different reasons, I think they're all uh, highly motivated. And we don't have Roger, Rafa, and Dominic team because of injuries right now. And those three would obviously be right, right up in the mix. Um, so Rafa, in Rafa's case, I, I think he's kind of, I think it, it's not, he's not remorseful about missing this part of the year. It's never been his favorite part of the year. And sometimes the, being the great professional he is, he's played on despite not necessarily being entirely happy and, and he would have he would have almost rather shut down his season in some cases after the open but he was a, he's 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 so professional that he's played on despite despite everything and uh, so he i think the fact that part of his time off includes this stretch of the year is just fine with him because he wants to come back strong and be fresh for that first half first half to two-thirds of 2022 I would love to take a poll and it, it could be anonymous, but it could be grouped by rankings and you see where they stand, you know, guys ranked one through 20 and then guys ranked, you know, 21 through 100 to see how they feel about the fall season. Because I think the guys one through 20 would vote differently than the guys 21 through, uh, you know, 100, but I don't know if we'll ever get to that, but. Similar to your poll that you just did on Twitter. I, I, I think the top 20 would be fairly evenly divided on it. That's what makes this such an interesting discussion. 
I could see that one coming out 10-10. Uh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, this was great. Like I said, I don't think, I mean, I don't think this is going to be changed anytime soon, the schedule. Do you? No, I don't. I don't. I think it's too, it, it, it's too complicated. The only thing that changes the schedule, obviously, as we've seen with Shanghai cancel, is that is COVID and the tour having to react to the circumstances as they have for these last couple of seasons. But no, I think otherwise the structure is going to stay in place. And because there's not an overwhelming, if there was a crusade for this, if there were a lot of, if, if it was overwhelming sentiment toward your, what you're saying, and there is definitely some, then I think they might've been pushing the, the tour to, to do something about it, but that hasn't happened, at least not yet. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm surprised that it hasn't. And I mean, if you're, you're going years ranked number one, so Novak's all fired up. But like, I'm telling you, I honestly, I, Novak, Roger and Rafa, if they said the season's over after the U.S. Open, I think they're, they're good. But yeah, yeah, good. Fair enough. I'll see. Well, this was a good topic. We, we it's on the shorter side of our discussion, but uh, I, I wanted to hear your perspective. So thanks, Steve, and we'll uh, we'll see how this plays out. It should be fun for, uh, last couple months of the year. Yeah, thank you, David. I, I enjoyed hearing your I enjoyed hearing your case, and and I think listeners will as well. And it'll be interesting to see what kind of response we get to our opinions on this topic. Yes, I, I agree. We're looking forward to hearing that. So thanks again, Steve, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll 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 talk soon. Thank you, David. Thank you.